Kingdom versus Culture. In today's episode, we are going to talk about the impact that culture, entertainment, music all has on society and on being a Christian. Today, joining me is my first guest on the show, Kevin Tom, also known as KingCat77 on Instagram. I'm your host, Amanda Ensing, and you are tuning in to Liberty Before Lipstick. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode. I have my first ever guest here, Kevin Tom. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on, being my first guest, and joining me today. No, thank you so much for having me. I honestly, I'm like extremely blessed that you wanted me as on as your first guest. So, like, let's just do it. Let's do it. Well, I've been following you for quite some time now on Instagram, and I love your work. You bless so many people. For the people that are listening and tuning in right now that aren't familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a little bit of an introduction. Well, I I came from, I hail from Queens, New York. And so I grew up in Queens, New York, have been here all my life. Um, And so I love reading, writing, like I, I'm extremely passionate about things of God. I'm extremely passionate about like what's going on with culture and just how all of that plays together and like what God has to say. And so I'm happy that this conversation is happening because this is, is just so important. It's so imperative because um, the heart of God has to, has to be involved with the heart of culture. And so our conversation is going to be like extremely important because it's going to really pour into who we are as individuals, but also as children of God, but also where culture is going in the direction that we're, we're seemingly going into. Amen. And I love your IG lives that you do in your stories. And that was one of the first things that captivated me with your content is you are such a good speaker and your heart is so big and brave and bold for Jesus. And as a Christian, I appreciate that so much. And I know that your followers really appreciate it. So today we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about kingdom versus culture. We're going to talk about the music industry, the entertainment industry, Hollywood, and how it affects our society, how it affects our youth, and how as Christians, we kind of navigate through that. So we're going to jump right into this. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the whole Lil Nas X music video and the Satan shoe collab. When people do something like this, you know they want PR, you know that they want the attention, they wanted the clout, they did it for a reaction. You know, God has been mocked in Hollywood several times. This isn't the first and it won't be the last. But I wanted to know what your reaction was when you first saw all of this happen. You know, it's funny you say that because I wasn't I wasn't shocked, but I was disturbed. And um, it just it just made me realize or made me remember um, Romans 13, verse 11, where it says, understand the present time for the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. You were asleep. Like what Lil Nas did, I hope it woke woke you it woke you up because it woke me up because um i think we tend to forget the direction culture is already going in and it's extremely anti-christ in nature a lot of people were saying it was like a marketing ploy i'm like nah it wasn't a marketing ploy it wasn't just that i agree he knew what he was doing and so thomas soul he has this quote he says that when you want to help people you tell them the truth but when you want to help yourself you tell them what they want to hear and so a lot of people right now they don't want to hear that they don't want to hear that, you know, Lil Nas X, you know, had something more to do than just a marketing ploy to try to get his name out because, you know, he was probably a one hit wonder. And not, yeah. it was so much deeper than that. Like he knew exactly his heart's content and the, the direction that he wanted his music to go in. And the audience 
that he wanted to listen to. And he specifically said that his audience was the youth. It was kids. And so now he's being very blatant and very obvious about um, his audience, his target audience. And so now as believers, but also as just people in America, people of God specifically, like, how do we really answer that? How do we talk about that? You know, how do we, how do we, uh, really maneuver where it is that we're going? It jolted me awake even more because I realized, Hey, the devil and those who support him want to be bold. That means Christians have to be even more bolder. Yeah. And it's also what you said that he said multiple times, I saw people posting online that his audience was children. And he also has a kid's book, which I didn't know before this. And, you know, that is something that I think is very disturbing, even if you aren't a Christian, just to see that type of over-sexualized content being put out there with millions and millions of views and it being pushed and promoted so much by the mainstream, you know, children should be children and they should be, you know, innocent and to preserve that innocence. And another thing that I wanted to say that I, I thought about was very interesting timing to post this video you know, during Passover. Um, yeah. I don't yeah. think that was a mistake by any means. It also kind of irks me. I don't know if you feel the same way. When you see these celebrities and artists, they'll come up and they'll win their awards or they'll have their success. And they're always like, I want to thank God when they aren't Christians or they don't know Jesus. And I think those kind of things sometimes also maybe contribute to people kind of making fun of Christianity and not taking it seriously because people use God as like a saying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think what it comes down to is that um, there's really no respect for God in general, specifically the Christian God, specifically Jesus. And so it's it's become more of a cultural norm to like disrespect the Bible, to disrespect Jesus, to disrespect Christians in general and to mock and criticize and scorn them. And so it's, it's also extremely popular, you know? And so I think where we're going at is we're seeing just a direct correlation and the directory of what happens to a culture when it becomes godless. Yep. And I, it's funny you say that because I said something similar and I felt like a lot of people that were speaking out were saying this. It's like, when you have a culture and a society that forgets God, they can't even recognize Satan when he's right there. And I feel like the internet with everything, you know, they cope with memes and making fun of it and saying, oh, well, Satan doesn't have red horns and they they actually think this is Satan. That was representative of Satan. That was the whole point, you know, and then you have the Satan shoes and then you have the 666 pairs and then you have the drop of human blood in the shoes, like yeah. all of these things. <laughs> yeah. It's right there. And then you still have people that are saying, oh, it's just a music video. It's just shoes. You know, what do you say to people that say things like that? You know, what it comes down to is like, it's cognitive dissonance. So it's like, and confirmation bias at the same time. So people are already, when they see something like that, they already have their own preconceived notion of what they want to believe of what they saw. So a lot of people that watch that, they already have anti-Christian sentiments already. And so they're more quick to defend Lil Nas X. And if you like scroll down his comment section, you see that's exactly what happened. A lot of people defended it. And so there's a lot of confirmation bias, a lot of cognitive dissonance they don't want to see, even if it's like it's smack in your face. It's like, hey, like you not see this. Like, I really don't care. And it's it's that jaded feeling of religion that people have, like, after years and years of either just abuse or years of years of feeling, quote unquote, judge. People just get jaded. And that's the, uh, I would say, the remark or comments that we see 
pertain to Lil Nas X because he definitely wasn't the first and he definitely won't be the last person to mock specifically the Christian faith, to mock Jesus, to mock the Bible, um, to mock uh, Christians in general. And so it's just one of those things where it's like people will not see if they don't want to see. And it's also a mixture of, like I said, confirmation bias. They they have already confirmed in their own hearts subjectively that they don't want to believe. And that's some, I guess that's some of what makes it even more difficult because when someone already makes up in their mind and in their heart that this is true and this is the right way, it's almost impossible without intervention from God to change them. And so that's why I really do think like the most important thing we can do is pray for these people, pray for them, pray for Lil Nas X, but also pray for this generation in specific because they are the most lost and the most confused. What you just said reminded me of something else that I want to talk about. I've noticed how often Christianity is talked about and mocked in the mainstream, and it's very popular at times to be made fun of. And you know, not just because I'm a Christian, because I see it so often, I often ask myself, why is it always Christianity? Why is it not other faiths that I feel like I see being mocked? You know, if someone would make fun of, let's say, Muslim, it's Islamophobic. You know, those things are, you know, I rarely see, if ever see, and it's, you know, dealt with right away by the media. But when it comes to being Christian, you know, often you see Christians are called bigots. And because you believe in God, you're being hateful towards other people because you're choosing God's word over man's opinion, you know? What, what are your thoughts on, on that, like you said earlier, of always seeing it being mocked? And why do you think it's popular that it's always Christianity being mocked? That's, that's a really good question. And I think one of the reasons is because mocking is now considered creative liberty. And so you are extra creative when you are um, extra, I would say, um, insulting when it comes to specifically the Christian faith. And so if you can find a creative way to be insulting, it'll be funny, it'll be humorous, and then therefore people will love it. People gobble up humor. And so people have different types of humor, especially in the entertainment industry. And so mocking faith would be considered dark humor for most of them. And so it's 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 under that guise of humor and comedy that um, our culture has now deemed it appropriate to make fun of faith. But it's only the Christian faith they'll mock, like you said. Religious cowardice, like it's they'll they'll pick and choose what religion they want to make fun of yep. in light of viewership, in light of sponsorship, in yep. light of branding, because it's just funny. Yep. Like that's just what culture has has deemed appropriate. It's funny. And then therefore, because Christians are are somewhat passive and they yep. don't they're not as loud as Muslims, they're not as loud as Jews, they'll just be like, oh, well, you know, they'll let it slip by. They'll just complain a little bit and move on. That's one of the reasons. And it's because it's mostly because entertainers musicians, artists, they kind of view Christians as weak. They're weak-minded, they're unintelligent, they're bigoted, as you say, they're not as wise, they don't understand, they're not fit up, they're not caught up with the culture, you know, they're they're way behind the times, they believe in a book that's 2,000 plus years old, and it has no relevancy to today. Or they call it the sky daddy. I've gotten some of those comments, I'm like, are you serious? Like, come on. Right. Who came up with that? 
all types of ad homonyms that really are just irrational, unhistorical, just completely biased. And it just shows where our culture is. It shows where we are at. And so like um, C.S. Lewis has this quote. He says, if you read history, you'll find that Christians who did the most for the present world are those who precisely thought the most of the next. And he said, it's since that Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. And Christians today have lost sight of the eternal glory. Like we've lost sight of eternity. And I really do think like stuff that's going on right now with culture is a wake up call for us because it's reminding us, hey, uh, your time is very short here. Like, what are you willing to do? Are you really willing to stand for what you believe in? Are you really willing to be persecuted for what you believe in? Are you really willing to be called all types of names, mocked, scorned, criticized, scrutinized? Are you willing to do that for in light of eternity? And as a Christian, as all of us, especially like young adults, young Christians, this generation, millennials and Gen Z, Gen X, um, that's a question that that's being asked of us in our hearts. Like, are we prepared to stand for eternity in light of what's going on temporary? Because everything we're seeing is just temporary. Everything we're experiencing is temporary. But are we willing to look to eternity and say, you know what, it doesn't matter if they stand against me, if they yell at me, if they curse me out, if they block me or censor me, it's still worth it, you know? And you know, it's like, we see that we would be persecuted in the Bible. Jesus talks about it, talks about that if they hate you, remember they hated me first, right? And you do see a lot of Christians say, well, I would die for my faith. You know, I'm a Christian, but they won't even post a story to talk about things that are happening now. And yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, we should be, first of all, in the Bible, it talks about we should be lucky, you know, when we go through trials and tribulations in the name of Jesus. But also we should be blessed in a sense that, you're only having people unfollow you, send you mean DMs, or try to censor you when in biblical days, people were tortured, they were stoned, they were killed. Even in some countries in the world, now this happens for your faith. And I, I agree in a sense, there are so many Christians that are just very weak-minded or afraid to offend people. And I think a lot of that also comes in from where culture in America and in the world steps in, right? Because culture tells you, don't offend people. And today on social media, everyone's offended, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. they're like, don't offend people, don't offend people. And even when I started my journey on social media, I was a Christian, but when I first started speaking on my faith, I said, I've got to be careful. I don't want to offend people. Yeah. Now I'm, you know, I don't care anymore. But I think a lot of people get in that mindset mindset unintentionally and they're just like, I don't want to offend people. You know, if my faith is too loud, it'll offend people. Well, I believe in this, but I don't want other people to think they have to believe in it. But if we believe that God is the one true God, why would we care about offending people? Right. So the next thing I wanted to ask you was when a culture removes God and and they've forgotten God, how does that affect our culture? How does that affect our youth? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, a philosopher by the name of Mortimer Adler, he said, more consequences for your thoughts and your actions follow the affirmation or denial of God more than any other basic question. And so when you remove God from culture, all that remains is, okay, where am I going to get my morals from? Where am I going to get my truth from? You know, where am I going to get the definition of what it means to be human from? You know, where am I going to get um, education from? Where am I, where am I going to get the definition of what it means to be male or female? You know, man or woman, where, where do those definitions come from? And so what ends up happening is that you end up becoming that arbitrary, subjective definition of what direction culture should go into, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, uh, where, we do, where do we get our truth? Does truth even exist? Is truth objective? Is it subjective? You know, and so culture 
Um, and this is another reason why, as a Christian, you can't afford to be what a lot of Christians call themselves politically agnostic, right? They don't really have a, a political opinion because politics affects your church, your family, your health. Yep. As we're seeing right now, it affects your money, your business, freedom, property, school, home, safety, evangelism, the poor. You know, 2020 proved that you can't afford to be politically agnostic. Like you have to know. What, defi- what definition are you standing on? Are you standing on the world's definition or are you standing on God's definition? Are you standing on stand. your imaginative thoughts of what you feel the truth is? Or are you really going to stand firm on God's word where he says that he created man and woman in his image? In Genesis 5, he, says, he said that it was good. You know, And so right now, culture is challenging us on what it even means to be good or what it means to be a man and a woman. Because God said eternity past that it's good for a man to be a man. It's good for a woman to be a woman. But now we're hearing, oh, well, you know, gender is fluid. As time goes on, we're going to see two different types of Christians. We're going to see those who are willing to stand on God's word, on the truth that's objective, or those who are going to be, who are already flaking, but they're probably just going to completely turn to the wayside and just accept the cultural definition of what it means to be a human being. And I think that's what a lot of people are seeing right now is they're seeing culture, Christians bend to culture and not have Christians stand firm and allow culture to bend to God. And I think if we just continue to stand firm, like girls like you just continue to stand firm in the field that they're in and the sphere of the world that they're in when it comes to makeup, because we need women like that who are unafraid to stand regardless of what culture, the cultural pushback. And then we need guys who are just going to be willing to be like, you know what? No, this is the, this is the standard. This is the definition of what a godly man looks like. This is a definition of where culture is. This is a definition of truth. And if we have guys who guys and girls who are willing to do that, it's only the small amount. It's only a small remnant that needs to stand that can challenge the world. And that's exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing people who are asleep wake up. And people who were like, wait, like they're kind of dozing off. Like they were like, oh, okay. But now 2020 is like, it was like that, that snappy wake up call. 2020 vision, right? I was yeah. like, is this why they called it 2020 vision? Mm-hmm. I feel like the church has gotten so agreeable and a lot of churches have gotten to where they don't want to offend people. Like you said, they bow down and bend to man's word and have forgotten God's word. And, you know, we know this is in our home and To me, I think that that sets an example, right? The church should be at the forefront of everything happening in the world. And instead, the church has kind of been like that quiet person in the back that doesn't want to say anything and doesn't want to offend anyone. So what are your thoughts on that? And also, what are your thoughts on progressive Christianity? Well, progressive Christianity is really regressive because what it ends up doing is it ends up, once again, it's the church bowing to culture. And so progressive Christianity really is just the issue of like critical race theory, white supremacy, narrative, social justice, and is not biblical justice, right? So social justice says the oppressed and the oppressor are at odds and like the systems of the world must correct the wrongs done by said oppressor. And in this case, the oppressor is the white man, right? And so biblical justice is completely different. It's like literally topsy-turvy, twists it on top of its head. Biblical justice says that the oppressed and the oppressor are both oppressed by sin. And no structure of the world can fix the deceptive and destructive heart of man. And only the savior of man can, and that's Jesus. And so he died for both the oppressed and the oppressor, both black and white. And one of the issues that we're having when it comes to 
the church when it comes to standing up against these narratives that we're seeing so heavily in culture. I mean, Coca-Cola, for goodness sake, had like an, a complete critical race theory training, revamp training for, for their, uh, for their less uh, white. white employees. <laughs> you know, so it's like, what, where's the church's voice for this? You're bringing a word today. I just want to start like snapping right now. This is so good. The church has adopted that narrative of white supremacy and critical race theory and social justice, and they have completely abandoned the true authentic gospel. And that is, hey, listen, both your white man and your black man, both of them need Jesus. (laughs) You know, both of them need to bow their knees to the Lord. And so this whole oppressor and oppressed narrative is really just another scheme of the devil to try to subvert the truth of the gospel of Jesus and get people extra confused, get people extra angry and extremely hold a lot of animosity towards each other. And it takes your eyes off of the real victim. I should say the real enemy, which is the the devil and progressive Christianity and like the, the church has run with this false gospel. And the only unfortunate thing that I can see is that there are so few really speaking up on it, but people like you, like me, and even others who see the actual issue can address and be like, no, that's, that's not, that's not of God. And we need to correct that. Yeah. And you know, I feel like there are so many voices being risen right now in God's army. And I feel like God is really uniting his people waking people up, people are coming to Jesus. And I feel like I have just seen this almost revival in social media. I felt like it was the last year or so it's been a time where you've seen people take the spotlight off of themselves and onto God. You know, you, you've kind of seen that very um, visible division between influencers, content creators, people with platforms who are serving it for a purpose and spreading God's truth when they are claiming to be Christians and people who only ever cared about themselves and or don't know Jesus, you can tell you know, a few seconds on someone's profile what they're really about. So I want to take a second to talk about how we as Christians are shaping culture. You know, There are so many people who either say they're Christian or they're very open about their hatred towards Christianity and like the celebrity and people who have platforms, and they're unashamed to talk about how they don't like Christianity. So how are we as Christians shaping the culture? I think for the most part, one of the reasons why Christians have lost a lot of influence is because we've tried to be culturally relevant instead of biblically accurate. Ooh, that's 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 a hard truth. That's good. <laughs> and and I think one of one of the reasons is that uh God called us to be separate. You know, he said keep that's what it means to be holy. It means to be set apart. And one of the issues that we're having with culture is that we want to be so enmeshed in the culture that we really look no different from them. And so that's exactly what I think um is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8 says for once you were darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. And so if we are still constantly trying to look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, even dress like them, um, we end up dimming our own light. And so how can we ever hope to possibly be different if we just want to look the same, if we just want to be culturally relevant? And I think that's one of the reasons why what you do is also so important, because here you are, makeup artist, and you're doing it big out here and you're unashamed to be a Christian. And that's what we need more of. We need more guys like myself 
to also be as loud and as as strong, but also as authentic and genuine as we possibly can be, just to continue shining a light and not being ashamed of what the gospel says. And so I really do believe that one of the reasons why culture has been so hard to shape is because we're too stuck trying to be like them, like the world. We're too stuck trying to be culturally relevant instead of just being what God called us to be, which is a light. And I think one of the reasons is because, like you said earlier, we do not want to be viewed as, you know, insulting or bigoted or judgmental. And that ends up dimming our hearts even more because you can't help but shine. Like if I if I take a flashlight and I shine it in your face, it's going to be annoying. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a light. That's, true. Yeah. that's exactly what our life is supposed to be like. And we can't, you can't, a light can't help but shine. And so as Christians, we can't help but light up a room. We can't help but stand against evil. We can't help but be a voice for the voiceless. We can't help but love those who are hard to love. That's that's something that should naturally come to us. But I think really because we have instead chosen consciously to be confirmed by the world, to be liked by the world, accepted and loved by the world, that we have ended up dimming our own light. And so I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus said that we should come back to our first love. And I feel like, you know, the worldly culture most oftentimes, if not all the time, always contradicts God, you know, even like the world's economy is upside down from Jesus's economy. And I feel like the rise of social media, you know, social media has become something that's almost bigger than us. Like, I feel like we can't quite contain it anymore. And even with the likes, you know, everything on social media is psychology, the likes, the follows, the engagement, you know, I've been doing it a long time and I can vouch for that. It can be very difficult. And I think a lot of Christians and believers can kind of, you can get stuck in that. It's it's human nature. It's the human part of you in the flesh that it kind of tugs at you because you're like, okay, well, how can I be culturally relevant or what can I do to reach more people? And I even notice the more I talk about God, it's almost like the less people it seems to reach. And, you know, there's an agenda there. People can deny it all they want, but there's an agenda there. Um, and I think that when you want to please the world, now it goes one-on-one with social media. Even, you know, I've watched in multiple industries, including mine, you see the people that are getting the views, getting the most reach, getting the most things, same in music, same in acting and in entertainment and movies. It's always the people that seem to do the worldly things. They promote the worldly things. I mean, when was the last time we saw a Christian being put up on a pedestal at the Grammys or at awards who, you know, for Christian music, or when you saw a family, a Christian family on the cover of Vogue, you won't see it, you know, I'll wait. They don't, they don't promote that. Um, but I want to dive deeper into this part of the conversation because I think something important to talk about as a Christian, you know, you see a lot of people that have platforms that claim Jesus and they claim Christianity, but their life doesn't really look like it. You know, if you look at their social media, it doesn't really represent it. And, you know, sometimes I think it can be your your walk, you know, where you're at in your walk, your level of spiritual maturity. And then sometimes I think it can be a difference of, you know, the head and the heart and, you know, serving yourself and not knowing it instead of serving God. So I would love to know your thoughts on that, because I think that also goes back to earlier of why people don't always take Christianity seriously, because, you know, we're not perfect, we're sinners, but there are a lot of people on social media who claim to be Christians, but their their feeds or their life that they project doesn't look like they are. Yeah, and that's, that's a powerful um, take because what ends up happening is that um, Jesus said, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. And you really do find social media does one thing. It just amplifies the person you already are. 
or that you want to pretend to be. I can vouch. I've seen that. (laughs) I mean, honestly, I feel like sometimes it's who that person wants to project to be. You know, it's the highlight reel. I've totally been there. I've been guilty of that in the past. (laughs) No, no, you're 100%. We all have been. But I think what what it does in this technological golden age that we're living in, because we're living in a golden age. We're living in a technological golden age where information is at at the, literally the tip of your fingertips. It's traveling fast, almost as fast as the speed of light. And it's almost as if the hunger to be known and to know others is twice as strong as it's ever been in human history. And with this projection of social media that is really unhealthy, it's really unbalanced, and it's also extremely destructive to the personality of, of just a regular human being, yeah. it destroys that vis-a-vis, you know, face-to-face uh, desire that we all long for. And what that really does is uh, like it psychologically subverts our desires. And so now it's no longer just, I want to be close to you vis-a-vis. I want to get to know who you are. It's, you need to know how important I am. Yeah. You need to know what type of influence I hold. You need to know how uh, great I am. And it really just, it just amplifies the type of personality you already have. Remember when I did my first video and I hated social media, like I hated Instagram. I hated the idea of like putting my face out there. But I remember when I did my first video on Instagram and it was around the time of Black Lives Matter. Um, and all that craziness was happening around like May, June time. And I did this video on Instagram and it blew up. I, like I was not expecting it to blow up. And a matter of fact, I didn't even care because I was like, you know, what? I'm tired of seeing all this trash, like this uh, lies from the left. Uh, lies from the right. I'm like, I just need to put this out there so that people can know that, hey, we're not seeing the full truth about this thing. Um, We are being lied to very heavily and we need to refocus and reshift back onto God because he's the only one that can help us out of this. Yeah. And literally, I got so much attention overnight, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, okay, I I need to shut off my phone because my notifications are blowing up and I I love how humble humble you are about all of this. Yeah, I, I really start to see, okay, Kevin, do you really, really, really care about what you just said? Or do you care about the praise that you're receiving? And so I remember I had to take a step back and like really get on my knees and pray because I was like, Lord, like I don't know what you're doing with this, but I'm gonna need your help to handle it because I'm not mature in this field of social media because it can be extremely destructive. And I think if you approach it at from that lens of understanding like, hey, like I have this platform, am I going to just use this for myself or am I going to use this to really do something bigger than me? Am I going to, like I said before about the comment with C.S. Lewis, am I going to inch this further towards eternity where it really matters or am I just going to enjoy the here and now so I can just live it up and just enjoy the hype? But that's really what it comes down to is like the hype and it is hype. It it just reminded me of something that I heard a long time ago and it's always stuck with me and it almost kind of changed the way that I even looked at social media a few years ago was, you know, we are made in the image of God who is the creator. So I think that, you know, Satan uses, obviously he uses our weakness and he is the master deceiver, but he wanted to be God and he knows that we're made in the image of God. So I, I kind of feel like he uses that through social media now, right? The devil's in the airways. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, you know, being in the industry and living in Hollywood and seeing all of the evil stuff that just the the energy, like everything, the vanity, you know, everything. When I lived there personally, 
I knew so many people with millions of followers and, you know, we would go to events where celebrities were and go to celebrities' houses and being in that environment, you see that a lot of these people are some of the most depressed and unhappy people I've ever met in my life. And it's very sad. And one way that I heard this years ago um, in a message was we weren't meant to hold we're being worshipped. You know, no. we were supposed to have no idols. And a lot of these celebrities and now social media creators, you know, they're held as idols and people see them as idols and say, you are my idol. Like, I look up to you so much. And, you know, people don't mean that in, in a bad way most of the time, but it goes back to the biblical sense of if you take all of that, like if you have a big platform and God gives you a platform and you're using it for God, you have to redirect that to God because we're not meant to hold that. We cannot hold that. And I think when you see so many people with big platforms that don't know God and you see how sad they are and confused and depressed, I think to me, you know, as a Christian, it's like you need to give that to Jesus. You need to put that glory to God. That's when they say, give God all the glory. I think they take it in themselves. So then when you don't get enough likes, you don't get enough views, you take it inwards. You're like, what's wrong with me? I'm not good enough. Why? And social media becomes like a drug. You've got to get your next high. You've got to get the hype. And then if not, you, you it's never enough though. You know, it's never going to be enough. Nothing in this world will ever be enough. And it's just very sad because social media can be very destructive. Yeah. And I think, you know, Jim Carrey had a, a quote, and I, I remember when the first time I heard it, he, he said it at his uh, graduation ceremony, and he said, I wish everyone would get rich and famous so they realize that that's not it. And social media is just another way of getting rich and famous. It's getting known really fast. It's getting your name out there, putting your face out there really fast so that people can see you. But that's just not it. And so if, if that's not it, then what is? Yeah, It just has to go back to God. It has to go back to um, our Lord. It has to go back to Jesus. And so it's just one of the things where if you, what social media will do, it will only show you where your heart is. It will only show you who you are and, and, and show you what's important to you. And if your heart and your mind is not in the right place, it's only a matter of time before literally you lose yourself. I myself, like I've had my fair share of mistakes, of slip ups, showing too much skin on social media, you know, especially when I lived in LA, I had a period of a drought where, you know, I was going to church and praying, but I felt so distant from God. And something I feel like I don't hear Christians talk about enough or at all is that you can have a past, right? Like you can have a past and you can mess up. And I see people, I see it on my content, I see it on other Christians' content bringing up, well, How are you a Christian if you wore this in this picture a year ago or two years ago, or if you rapped to this song with bad lyrics two years ago? And I wrote this down because it was so good. A friend sent this to me um, earlier, and it was a quote, and it said, trying to hurt me by bringing up my past is like trying to rob my old house. I don't live there anymore. That ain't my stuff. (laughs) And I thought it was so good. And, you know, I think it's important to know, you know, Christians aren't perfect. And I think a lot of people who don't know Jesus – think that, and even me, like I grew up as a Catholic and I remember looking at the Baptist people in my town and, you know, I felt like they knew all the right scripture to say. And they were, you know, I knew a lot of people that were spiritually sound and I wasn't there in my walk at that time. And I remember thinking, do they just think they're better than everyone? So I think there's so many stereotypes that come with being a Christian, but I think it's important to talk about like, we're not perfect. You know, when you give your life to Jesus and you really start walking, your life kind of changes and everything changes, you know, I'm not going to delete my past because that's who I was. And I think it's important for people to see that, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think what's important to understand, especially when you've been walking with the Lord or you've been incredibly curious about walking with the Lord, 
or you feel like you're just overwhelmed with like judgment and condemnation from your past, it's important to know that like Philippians 1 says that he will bring you into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And like we're we're all walking this walk, especially if you're being sanctified, you're being made holy by the Lord, is that if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed with guilt or shame, he's going to complete you. Like you're not the one who does that. Like you're not the one who does that work. He's the one who does it. And so it takes all the stress off of your back, like all of that enormous shame and guilt that you end up walking around with because of your past. You're like, wait, hold up. I'm still moving forward. I'm not the person I used to be. Um, But thank God I'm on the way to the person I need to be. And the Holy Spirit is the one who really does that work in your life, really does that work in your heart. He changes your desires. He changes your mindset. He changes what you want to think about, what you have been thinking about, the things that have been on your mind or the things that even you have like overwhelmingly shamed yourself. Because sometimes you end up not forgiving yourself because of the things that you've done in your past and you end up overburdening yourself. But the important thing is to know that is the blood of Jesus has wiped that shame and that guilty conscience from you. And so you can be free. Well, I know that you were very bold and firm in your faith. So I wanted to ask, one, how do you deal with criticism and hate that you get? And two, well, actually three things. Two, have you been censored on social media because of your Christian and conservative views? And three, advice you would give any Christian that wants to start speaking out but is afraid to speak out? Um, I'll answer the first and last question with this one thing. And it's Matthew 10, 22, right? Jesus said, um, remember, you will be hated for my name's sake. And I think one of the, one of the catch that you can have as a Christian is like, well, like if I speak out, people will love me. People will love me. I'll have all these friends, like all my friends will support. No, yeah, like, no, no. Like the, the scariest thing for me, or should, I shouldn't say the scariest thing, but the most overwhelming thing for me was when I spoke out specifically about Black Lives Matter, I lost all my friends. And all of them came from church. Wow. <laughs> well, wow. of my friends came from church, and they stopped talking to me. And it was because I was not going around with the normative narrative of BLM. Yeah. It's meant to show for me, okay, who's really standing on the truth, and who's really standing on cultural truth, which is subjective. And so it's, rem- it's remembering the words of Jesus then that's the anchor for you. That's the anchor for us is his words because they're eternal. And like I said, it always goes back to that eternal perspective. It's eternal. And so when you go back to the eternal word of God, when you go back to the eternal son of God who gave his life for us, who died on that cross, who was buried, who rose again, when you go back to what he said, it anchors you and it keeps you firm. Like I said, the issue many of us have is that we're sacrificing the truth of biblical accuracy on the altar of cultural relevancy and and it just can't work that way. Yep. To deal with criticism, you have to be firm in God's word and just saying, like, Lord, you said that I would be hated for you. You said that I would lose friends for you. You said I would be misunderstood. So if you said this, then I'm just gonna trust you that you know who my real friend should be. You know who my real family is. You know exactly the type of people I can turn to, and you know exactly the type of people you want in my life. Like, who would have told me a year ago I'd be sitting down talking to Amanda and saying that? You would not have told me that. You wouldn't have told me that. I would have said, 
what? I mean, but that's awesome, right? Because I feel like what you said, you know, I resonate a lot with that because I also lost people that I thought were my close friends who also say they have a heart for God and who say they're Christians, yet haven't been to church and churches are open where they live. And once I got bolder and louder, it's all fun and games until you get too loud, until you talk about Jesus too much. You know, even people who are speaking out, it's all fun until you're like, wait, I'm going to lose friends because of this. Like, Jesus told you, and then they think it's a joke until it actually starts <laughs> happening. For me, the hardest thing was not losing people in my life who weren't Christian because, you know, I'm convicted in my faith. It was losing the friends who I, I knew from church, who were Christians, who were believers, because they don't think we're living in biblical times, because spiritually they are asleep at the wheel, thinking everything is wonderful inside their little fence of their home in the suburbs. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, it's one of those things where I, I've always told myself, pay attention to who God takes out of your life mm-hmm. because it's for a reason and it's for a season. If I wouldn't have been so bold, if you wouldn't have been so bold, we wouldn't be here talking right now. You know, God literally brought us together. Yeah. And I think it's so awesome because here we are, you know, it's been, I guess, almost a year now since you started your Instagram, if it was during BLM. And now we're here having this conversation. How awesome is that? So I want to ask, what kind of advice would you give someone who wants to either get closer to God, reconnect with God, or start learning who God is? What kind of advice would you give them to kind of start sparking that fire? Mm, this is a good one. Um, I would say you need to know that God, first and foremost, He loves you and He wants to hear from you. You know, And so one of my favorite verses from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65 and the Lord told Isaiah, he said, listen, before they call, I will answer. While you are speaking, I'm going to hear you. And there's so much comfort in knowing that before you even open your mouth, he's like, it's like he's just right there waiting to hear. And what pushes people away sometimes is like they don't even know what to say. They don't know how to approach God. Um, the only thing that separates us from God is our, our sins. But it's even perfect to know that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5 says. And so it's the beauty of the gospel is that exactly that God made a way before we even know we needed a way to get to him. And so first off, know that God already made a way for you to enter into his presence and it was through his son. And secondly, know that God is willing and waiting to hear from you. And thirdly, he's going to answer. And so all of that wrapped in one in one verse, Isaiah 65, verse 24, is like, before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. And so if you are extremely inquisitive about, you know, what is this whole Christian thing? What is this whole God thing? I mean, I I, I started my walk kind of like a, a practical atheist. Like I was, I grew up in church, I was Catholic. Um, and so I kind of like mentally and intellectually walked away from faith. Um, but I always had this idea, okay, there God is like he's there, he's real. I didn't even know how important God was in terms of like conversation of the universe, life, science, morality, laws of physics, um, the laws of causality, human consciousness, what it means to be, what it means to be a human, you know, or even the importance of the Bible, that the Bible is still one of the most greatest historical books in history. Amen to that. Or the origin of life, or, you know, the, the meaning of morality and destiny, that the resurrection of Jesus is still the most greatest historical miracle ever. You know, and so when you come to that head knowledge is important, and that's what I needed. But it was that verse, Isaiah 65, 24, to know that God wants to hear from me. 
And especially right now, this is like we're on Passover weekend. It's about to be Resurrection Sunday. And here we are talking about Jesus. And so if you're questioning, please understand God wants to hear from you. And he has made a way for you to hear from him and it's through his son. It's so good. And, you know, I always think of the visual. I heard the story once of how a man was walking beside Jesus on the sand and you could see, you know, the footprints and then the man went through the hardest time of his life and the footprints from God were gone. And he said, God, you know, where were you? Why, why didn't you help me? And he said, because I was carrying you. Yeah. And it just always gives me, like, I just got chills. It gives me goosebumps because, you know, like you said earlier, being a Christian is harder than not, at least for me personally. And I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure yourself, you know, when you give your life over to God, you, you say no to the culture. Mm -hmm. You say yes to God, no matter what man says. And that's why on my platform, I've always said, since I started speaking more boldly, like I will never bow down to man. I will only bow down to God. I don't care if people don't like me. I don't care if you don't like it. But if you are a Christian and you believe in the Bible and the gospel and the word of Jesus, that is what your mentality is. I've seen with science, with culture, with entertainment, it seems like it's just all generated to push people away from God. You know, believe in the universe, believe in the stars, yeah. believe in astrology, believe in aliens. Now you see aliens everywhere. Like it, it all pulls people away from God. And I also saw someone had posted that Netflix removed all of these Christian films the week of Passover, you know, and I don't have Netflix anymore, but it's just, to me, I keep saying, well, what's it going to take, you know, to wake people up? But um, I want to wrap up this conversation, which was so good and say, you know, what would be your advice to Jesus followers on what we can do to put on the armor of God and to, you know, keep involved and fight in this spiritual battle that's happening in these biblical times. One of my life verses is Psalms 139.16, right? Where he says that every day of my life was recorded in his book before a single day had ever even passed. And so every morning you wake up, you put on that armor, before you walk out the door, you need to be reminded, this day was recorded in God's book for me. And so that empowers you to continue going. And so I think one of, one of my favorite moments in terms of like walking with the Lord was when I was in science class and like, this is, this is just one of the like most amazing moments I, I, I just have to share. And so I'm sitting out in science class and they're talking about the flow of oxygen through your lungs. And right. And so like oxygen, poor blood is coming back from your body right now as everyone's listening to us, as we're talking, come back from your body through two major arteries, which is the superior vena cava and the inferior vena cava. And then it goes to the right atrium down to the right ventricle to the pulmonary arteries where there's the exchange of gases, right? So there's carbon dioxide out, oxygen in. And so the oxygen poor blood becomes oxygen rich blood. And then it goes to the left atrium, down to the left ventricle, to the largest artery in the body, which is the aorta. And so if God can direct the oxygen in your lungs, like how much more can he direct your life? And so one of the most important things that the enemy wants to try to persuade us is that God does not have a plan. He does not have a plan for you. There's nothing left for you. you might as well give up the fight. It's going to be too hard. It's going to be even more stressful going forward. If you thought 2020 was bad, whoo! wait till you get rid of 2021. A lot of people are already throwing in the towel and God's like, no, I'm the one who put breath in your lungs. Yeah. I put breath in your lungs. If I'm the one who called you from 2020 and I called you into 2021, I will sustain you. So it doesn't matter what type of evil comes your way. It doesn't matter what type of trial comes your way. It doesn't matter what type of temptation comes your way. 
I will sustain you. And I think one of my favorite, favorite, like strengthening verses that reminds me to keep fighting, to keep going forward is uh, Daniel 11, 32, where it says that those who know their God shall be strong and they'll do great exploits. And so this is our season. This is our time for us to do great things, for us to continue to stand strong, for us to continue to stay in his word, because he promised that we will do great things for him. And so if if you thought that, oh, man, I don't know, like, I don't know if uh, my best days ahead of me or maybe my best days are behind me, God's like, oh, nah, boo-boo. like your best days are about to come. I want to kind of put you on the spot here and ask you if you would end this conversation with a prayer, if you would pray over us. I think that you are so gifted. You have such a huge gift from God. I know you blessed everyone listening to this, whether they believe in God or not. I would love to have you pray for us. Can you can you do that? Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, so Father, I just, we come before your presence and we just want to say thank you. We thank you for the times that we're living in. We thank you for the ceaseless fight that we're in in culture right now. We thank you for it because we know that trials works about perseverance and perseverance, proving character, improving character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This is what your word in Romans 5 says. And so, Lord, we thank you for the trials. We thank you for the temptations. We thank you for that type of ceaseless fire and ceaseless fight that we are in because in doing so, we experience more of your presence more of your love and more of your fire. And so right now, as to under everyone who's listening to this, Lord, may you reach down and may you touch every soul, every heart whose ears are listening to this podcast, who's watching this YouTube channel, who's watching this, Lord. And we just ask that you will continue to bless them, but also remind that you are for them and not against them. Remind that you made a way for them to enter into your presence is through your son, Jesus. Remind them, Lord, that he died on that cross, that he was buried on the third day. He rose again for our sins. And so remind us, Lord, that in this fight, that you have already caused us to be victorious. You've already caused us, Lord, to stand strong and to stand firm and to let nothing move us. And Lord, in doing so, may you continue to strengthen our feeble hands. Maybe maybe some of us listening to this right now, we're weak. We don't know if we can make it another day. We feel overwhelmed. We feel stressed out with life. May you remind us that you're for us and not against us. And with you, all things are possible. And I just pray that you may bless my sister, Amanda. May you continue to bless her family. May you bless her husband. May you bless her child, Lord. May you just increase her reach so that many people can hear her and be blessed by what you have given to her as a gift. We just thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And the church said, amen. That was so good. Thank you so much, first of all, for coming on here and spending your time, your conversation, your knowledge, your biblical wisdom. You know, it was so good. Before we leave this podcast, how can we support you? Where can we find you on social media? Definitely find me on Instagram at KingCat77. Find me on YouTube at KingCat as well. Um, I just started my channel and it's, 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 I'm extremely like excited. And so you guys can definitely find me there. And man, I'm just so, I'm so blessed to be here. Like meeting you was amazing. Like my sisters love you. They're the first one to be like, Oh my God, you're going to talk to a man. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm so blessed to be on here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for coming on. I will link all of Kevin's Instagram, social media, YouTube channel. Go give him some love. Go follow our fellow brother here on Instagram and YouTube and everything. I'll have it all linked down below.
Thanks for tuning in to episode four of Liberty Before Lipstick. Don't forget to download and follow this podcast. You can also catch the live version on my YouTube channel at Amanda Ensing. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I hope everyone has a blessed week. Easter coming soon, so it is a biblical week if you are a Christian. God bless, and I will catch everyone in my brand new episode next Tuesday.